Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except you can listen while doing whatever you want. It's February, and this month's selection is Gwen E. Kirby's short story collection, Shit Cassandra Saw, which I found delightful. Here is your spoiler warning. If you haven't read the book yet and you don't want to know what happens in these short stories, this is maybe not the episode for you. We actually talked to the author that is in the feed. It is a spoiler-free conversation. Go listen to that and come back over here when you're ready. Otherwise, if you haven't read the book and you're cool with spoilers, or if you have read the book, you are in totally the right place. I am so excited to introduce you to our guests this month. We have Glory Adam, also known as the Well-Read Black Girl, who has a new podcast out called Well-Read Black Girl. Glory, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is so awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. We also have Jess Zimmerman. She's an editor at Quirk Books and a writer. Her book is called Women and Other Monsters. Jess, hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, so excited. Okay, so I feel like we should probably start with the cover because, oh my God, what a cover. Um, I feel like it's a little divisive. I have one friend who was like, I might read this despite the cover, but I do not like it. Um, Jess, what do you think of it? Oh, I think. I mean, I think it's incredible. I think it's so striking. Um, it is striking. I mean, I, I do think, I think it's a bold move to put a swear in a title that's that's a little mm. separate from, co- from cover design. I'm in favor of it, but it's definitely bold. And I think it's bold in sort of the same way as the visuals of the cover. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, it seems to me like, I mean, the visuals are literally like in terms of color, but also like, yes, there are eyeballs on fire. Um, you're right about the title too. I don't know though. I like the stories are bold too. Like I feel like it's a tonal match. And so that makes sense to me. Glory, what do you think? Oh yeah. I'm 100% with the tonal match. Like I thought that someone in this book definitely like took some kind of like a hallucinogenic drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like you totally go into a dream state when you're looking at this cover it's like art but also a little bit disturbing in a good way yeah it's really cool Lydia Ortiz is the artist I think it's fabulous we actually asked listeners how they reacted to the cover like on Instagram and Zara said when she saw the cover her friend said Cassandra saw some shit which I thought was pretty funny (laughs) and then um, Anna was like oh for sure chaotic Muppet vibes which also is like yeah I could see that like chaos Muppet yeah you know yeah So we don't actually do short story collections that often with book club, partly just because I don't actually read that many short story collections. Like, I think often my problem with short stories is if I really like them, I feel like they should be a novel. And if I don't, then it kind of feels like a waste of time. Um, But I loved this one. And it made me wonder where y'all fall on like the short story fandom spectrum. Glory, are you do you read a lot of collections like this? I mean, maybe not like this, but collections. 
Yes, I am a 100% like short story girl, like something about my reading habits, it lends to the short story because I feel very mm. satisfied when I read something that's, you know, one or two pages and, yeah. and that's like, oh, I got it. It looks similar to poetry. It's like, oh, I got what I needed and I can move on. And I also like, um, you know, I like things to be unresolved a little bit and feel a little chaotic and a short story can do that to you because sometimes it ends and you're like, what happened next? Like, what am I supposed to be following this character further? And it's like, no, it ends here. And you have to be satisfied with the resolution, even Mm -hmm. if you don't have one, you know, and she did a great job of just kind of leaving you in suspense in some spaces, but also really doing a great job with like sentence structure and like pulling the reader in, like from the first sentence, like you are pulled into the person's yeah. world and yeah. they're kind of like chaotic state. So it, it was, I think I love a short story and I think she did a great job. Those are really good points. I love how many times we've already used the word chaotic. I think that like totally fits the vibe of this book in kind of the perfect <laughs> yes. way. But you're right. I mean, especially with this one, there are some like shorty shorties. Like there are, you know, page and a half long stories in here. So you, which I think also can be satisfying just because you can like get through something, you know, like this book moves really nicely, which also I think can be really satisfying as a reader. Yeah. And she's wildly funny. Like she is very, oh very funny. <laughs> She's hilarious. I think, too, what you say about, like, I do agree that a really good short story feels like kind of the perfect bite of something where it's just like, oh, this is exactly the length that it needs to be. And I feel like I feel that way about a lot of the stories in here. Jess, are you a short story person usually? Yeah, I mean, I really I liked what Glory said about it. it is sort of simultaneously satisfying and unsatisfying yeah. in a really pleasant way that, that it's, you know, you feel like you've experienced something, but also you don't feel that there's this sort of pressure on the author and also on you to feel, you know, that you have essentially like completed kind of the, the necessary aspects of a plot. You know, if there's something that they want to just kind of play with, write a little vignette, um, then they could also do that. And there's not that pressure to kind of resolve things or to expand things beyond where they should be. And I like that we keep, I feel like we keep coming back to like satisfying and bite-sized and like nourishing and stuff like that. And so like, I am thinking of this as kind of a tasting menu, yeah, right. Or like a chocolate sampler where you, you get the experience, but you don't have to worry about kind of the, the literary food pyramid. Oh, that's so fun. Well, and what a good point, too, about like the idea of a resolution, because there is kind like a very distinct bummer of reading a novel that's like has a really interesting premise and is really well executed until that like 90 percent mark or whatever, where then it's like, here's the bow that I'm tying on this. You're welcome. Everything's fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is this is like veering off in a direction kind of. But um, <laughs> but I I feel like lost um, is the like the classic example of what happens when you have too much pressure to resolve something. Um, and, and so I'm, and that was like such a profoundly disappointing experience that I come back to it a lot to think about like, Oh, here's something that really escaped that. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's, that's less so here just because like, it's not that it's mysteries that, that she's resisting the pressure to resolve, but, but on everything that you write and every sort of, you know, creative output, there is often a pressure to kind of collapse every possible waveform and explain every possible thing. And I love it when people really just like skate above that. Mm-hmm. It's like letting a note play and like having it slowly fade out as opposed to like, yeah. yeah. 
So there are definitely some organizing principles to this book. I mean, the idea of chaos, I think, is one or just sort of like deeply imperfect humans kind of like doing their best during weird times. Um, But there's also so much variety in this collection, like in terms of a lot of different things, too, in terms of narration and form and structure and setting and topic. I mean, we have Jerry's Crab Shack, which is like a Yelp (laughs) review. Essentially, we have How to Retail Your Bathroom which is another really fascinating take on form. And then, you know, like a diary entries from a whore, essentially. Um, I thought it was like, I loved that it was such a wild ride. Um, did it work for you, Jess? I mean, I guess the tasting menu analogy is probably a pretty good one for that, huh? I guess I guess it could skew a little kind of MFA writing exercise, but when it's done well, it's, it's really... Uh... I don't know. I don't want to keep saying satisfying. Um, and it's not exactly that. It's, it's admirable. Like you, mm. you see, you see that it's people are taking kind of an extra step of, of creativity. And I really appreciate that. Oh my God. Especially for a debut. It's just like, like she pulled some pretty amazing shit off in this book, you know? Yeah. Um, Glory, what did you think? Like, how did the variety was it? Did you ever find that frustrating or were you happy to just kind of go along with it? No, it helped me move through the book really quickly. And I felt like she was doing, taking a lot of like really wonderful risks, you know, like she kind of took us on this journey of, I am an author that isn't afraid to like go there, whether it's, and what, whether it's in dialogue and she's like calling out, like, you know, using a woman's eyeballs to like laser down a dude or like, (laughs) or like playing around with this, you know, Yelp review style that she just noted. I thought it just was like really inventive and fun. And I live for that kind of like, what's new? What, what else? Like, what else can we do? Because so, so many people, to be quite honest, can be really boring. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like, let's, let's not be boring. Even if it doesn't work, I like, I applaud her for even trying it and tr- like in introducing her into like her world, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a very yeah. cool thing. I like it a lot. You know what? It it's a sense of play. It's mm, a sense yes. of like playfulness. Yes. It's fun, yeah. you know, and I, and it it feels like it's fun on purpose, yeah. which is something that you don't always get in literary writing, you know, <laughs> that people that there there is a tendency to be serious and to feel like, you know, you what what makes a serious book is serious ideas and serious happenings and tragedies and you know a little life and whatnot and Mm. and it's really I really appreciate when it seems like the author is having a good time um, and is not feeling constrained necessarily and is feeling like there's room for play and there's room for experimentation and then that that makes me have a fun time too yeah well I think what's really fascinating about it is that you're totally like it is fun there is a sense of play but it's not vapid either you know like this book is still about a lot of really intense and important subjects you know yeah and I think that reminds you you know when you see somebody pull that off it reminds you that that those things don't have to go together that that having having a message and being sort of grim and dire uh don't don't have to be sort of totally coextensive Mm -hmm. I'm still surprised every time it happens but I'm delighted by it (laughs) Um, Let's listen to a voicemail from listener Kat. One thing I really liked about this collection was how Gwen is investigating truth and story and how truth and history and story can change depending on whose perspective you're seeing it from and who the narrator is. I love that interplay 
an investigation about truth and, and perspective. I saw that most readily in the first woman hanged for witchcraft in that story about the monster in in, uh, in the lake and whether it was important that the the girl was a virgin or not. And the monster just said, no, I just care that you're a blonde. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that kind of reiterates some of the points we had. I mean, it's I don't know. I find it fascinating because the book is very funny. It's very playful. It's also pretty angry. Um. I thought that tone was balanced really beautifully. Did it work for you too, Glory? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So as I was reading this book, I was catching up on yellow jackets. So I was like full of of a lot of like teen angst and (laughs) anger. And I was like channeling (laughs) all of that. So, cause I think I agree with what Jess was saying earlier. A lot of times like this idea for a work to be serious, it has to be very dour and kind of like, you know, have this particular formula and she is going against that completely and really being playful and light, but also very like sarcastic, which I love, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you, you see her, um, really balancing out this tension and all these dynamics about like, you know, women's rights, you know, and who, who we are when we're uh, under the male gaze and the, the reactions can be tends to be really blunt from the characters. So it gets your attention, but it also like makes you think about other um, issues that we have to deal with, uh, you know, in, in real life in society. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I, I want to share my anger and I don't want to be criticized for that. And so she balances like the anger and just the, um, it almost feels like a little ferocious. Like she's like taking mm-hmm. a large bite, you know? Um, but it, it, I think she, because of her level of craft and how she like, puts every lays everything out for the reader you don't feel overwhelmed by it you're just kind of like okay I understand this perspective perhaps I wouldn't go in this direction but I can understand like how she's has arrived here Uh, so even Mm -hmm. like the sequences of the story she does an excellent job of that Um, I'm trying to think of a, a great example I mean I can't think of anything specific but I know what you mean though in terms of like the steps are believable even if you end up in a completely unfathomable place by the end oh yeah like uh like Friday night like that, I yes. thought that that was a great example of it. Like the first sentence, she's like, my husband and I should be making a baby. But instead we argue about whether to go out for Mexican or order pizza, each taking <laughs> our standard positions. Like it's, she goes into this whole thing and you're like, wait, what, what is happening? Um, but yeah, like she, she gives us these, uh, like these lifelines of like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I want to talk about, but this is how it becomes a universal experience Do you know, did you feel that way? Yeah. Just like, how, how was that for you? Um, yeah. One of the things that, that really leaped out at me in the, um, in the voicemail that we just heard is, is talking about perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, if there's insofar as there's sort of a, um, a through line of this book, it's that she keeps coming back to these, legendary and historical female figures Mm -hmm. and inverting the perspective like these are these are people that um mostly have not you know we have men's histories of them and we have men's you know stories about them uh mary reed the pirate and nakana takeko and boudica and like Mm -hmm. a lot of them are and and cassandra obviously a lot of them are women warriors but they're also you know women who are powerful in various ways um, so I really responded to that. And I think it's interesting that like, Glory, it sounds like you're really responding to the ones that feel more sort of grounded um, in kind of our modern experience. But there are two sides of the same thing, which is like giving voice to these aspects of our experience that are so often 
kind of sidelined or just filtered through someone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful way of putting that. Um, it's funny because I think I really gravitated towards the more modern day stories too. I mean, I loved the historical ones, but there was something about the way she kind of like distills the tension in the liminal space that is being a teenage girl where you like want to be desired, but also is that icky and like just the, that whole like reckoning with gaze and, becoming a human an adult human person in the world I just thought was so well done and fascinating I mean I'm thinking partly about the really good story about the girls softball teams yeah and you know and it's just like I don't know I just thought it was really good yeah and that one was was purely relevant to sort of very current issues um but it did really feel at home among all of these like slightly more fantastical stories yeah it's wild so Glory did you have a favorite I did. I did. I, I, I'm like going through my highlights. I really love, um, I love, I loved Marcy breaks up with herself. And I also took like, just because it was one of the first stories that jumped out to me, a few normal things that happen a lot. Um, I, I thought that was a great way to play with, um, female anger and desire and to get even, you know, like, like it kind of landed in the space of the persons in their internal dialogue and all the things they would do if they had the power and ability to like stop being taken advantage of and being underestimated and like really embracing like your full anger and I thought that she was able to illustrate that in a really funny way and the the idea of having supernatural powers to to stop um men from taking advantage of you I thought it was Mm -hmm. so 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 perfectly done and also showing um what we want you know like I think that's another like reoccurring theme that happens in every story there's I mean the wants against the desires and how we actually get Mm -hmm. to that space more on shit Cassandra saw in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So Jess, what was your favorite story in here? I feel like, well, so we had been talking earlier about how these are so fun to sort of think back on mm-hmm. because they kind of worm their way into your subconscious. And so there are some that I had I had forgotten about until you mentioned um, the one about the sea monster uh, <laughs> and, and, and the virgin. And I loved that one. Um, but the one that I think really stuck with me um, was Here Preached His Last because we don't usually, like... It, it involves, you know, the ghost of this really sort of unpleasant. Yeah, <laughs> you like know? Guy. Um, yeah. And, and, but he becomes really sympathetic. And so it was an, it was an interesting sort of instantiation of kind of a way that we can make peace with the past and make peace with these sort of judgments 
um, hmm. that felt very subtle and very unusual to me. That's a good way of putting it. It's funny because we actually we talked to Gwen a little bit about that one when we had her on. And she talked about how I forget where she lived, but like she walked by a statue of someone similar at one point in her life. And every day when she walked by it, she was like, you probably wouldn't like me very much. <laughs> and so it like I love thinking about that and then, you know, how it ends up kind of extending into this like, well, what if she's also cheating on her husband, you know, <laughs> like and he shows up while they're fucking like that's just such a perfect iteration of that whole scenario, I feel like, you know. And he, I mean, he remains awful. He's not exactly a sympathetic character. He's not a sympathetic character, but he's a pathetic character, you know, like, so he's, he's sort of drained of his power in that way. There you go. You have puffy for him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He has pathos. He definitely, he has, definitely has Yeah, pathos. that's very true. Um, so our listener Liz gave us a call and talked about the Midwestern vibes, which are pretty strong in a lot of these stories. Let's take a listen sprinkled throughout there are a few different references um to minneapolis and like the twins and lake of the isles and all these different little minnesota pieces and then i got to midwestern girl is tired um and i was like oh goodness seriously like this is really what it is all the time in short stories in bigger stories in movies in uh, tv shows and uh, really i'm pretty certain that every single time someone talks about being from minnesota um especially when that is not where the majority of the people or anybody else in uh, the media piece is from. I'm just going to be like, oh, your Midwestern girl is just tired, like so tired. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was hilarious. It's funny because we recently did an interview with uh, one of the showrunners for the HBO show Somebody Somewhere, which takes place in Kansas. And it was like, as I was prepping, I kept thinking about like Midwestern girl. What is that? Like, why does that have like a claw in my brain? And it took me a really long time. And then I was like, oh, the story from this collection. And I don't know. I think it speaks to you just like what you said earlier about like, I'm so glad that all of this, these different casts of characters exist in my brain. Yeah. You know, and they feel very solidly in there in a way that I am pretty delighted by. Yeah. And that's like an amazing move if you can pull that off. And, and, and maybe is more likely in short story collections where you really like codify this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets to, because it's, because it's not a novel, she gets to really drill down on this one trope of the Midwestern girl. And now you'll just see that everywhere. Um, it's something that I think that like essays can do and short stories can do it and doesn't happen as much in a novel yeah. unless you're like Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> yeah. Has that happened to you, Glory, where like you have found yourself remembering something from this book and being like, where was that very strange thing? And then like, oh, yeah. Oh, recently I, I had a encounter with my neighbor's cat and it made me think of um, Apology of Sorts to June. <laughs> and, and I love and I actually I love cats. I love animals that that story story takes like a very like morbid turn but I you know but it's like these like little things that you have throughout your day where you're like oh that's interesting you know an encounter you have with a neighbor or at the grocery store and it's this almost like this like shocking feeling like is is that what really happened can I can I really like believe that that was one thing I would love to talk about too just like how believable these characters were like even Mm -hmm. when they were just like so messy like you're like whoa you are like losing your mind like what is your mental state right now (laughs) Um, but when you're you know at capacity and you're really overwhelmed or you're living during a pandemic like all the things that could Mm. seem really like you know far-fetched could suddenly be like "Hmm, yeah I would do that too (laughs) you know (laughs) 
That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it in that context, but I do think there is a certain catharsis to some of these because it is just like, I don't know. I think the thing it kept making me think about too is like, who am I to judge? You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah, that mm-hmm. is, it is totally believable that you would end up in that situation because you've been through the things that you've been through, you know? Yeah, 100%. One story we haven't talked about yet that I feel like we at least need to like tip our hats to is Casper, the one about like the the competing unclaimed baggage depots. <laughs> I don't know. I had heard about the unclaimed baggage places before. You know, I feel like that's one of those like, oh, that's an amazing story idea. And she did it. And she did. She took so many surprising turns in it. And it was just so fascinating. Such a pleasure to read it. It's also just an amazing example of like making you feel very deeply about not not even not even just a fictional character but a fictional character who is not actually even a person or alive like that's <laughs> and by that you're referring to the taxidermy albino wallaby I was wallaby. so invested in the taxidermy albino wallaby <laughs> that's so funny i completely agree is there one of these that you think could work as a novel that where you'd be like oh yeah i would totally read that book or do you think they need to be short stories because that's what makes them so perfect? I think Casper. I think that'd be so yeah, right? like, yeah, like completely like just going down the like following all the characters and what they do with the objects and how they like feel attached to that. I mean, I thought that was great because it could take you so many different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked that one. I also thought the one, is it um, Disneyland of Mexico the, with the the girl who studies abroad? Like I thought that was such oh. a beautiful depiction of adventuring but also homesickness and feeling like an outsider and just that feeling like especially when you are abroad somewhere and you don't speak the language super well and you're like am I actually stupid (laughs) you know (laughs) like I just thought she did that so well that one felt like it had to be a short story for me for exactly the reason that Gloria was talking about earlier where like it didn't it was allowed to just kind of hang in that moment in time um, and not necessarily have to kind of resolve into a plot. But I, but I do think that with Casper, you have like, you have the setting, which is so rich. And then oh. you've got these like warring groups of teenage girls. <laughs> Cause some of the stories are actually narrated by groups of teenage girls, like not right. even an individual. Right, the um, we. I love and, that. Yeah. And being able to pull that off is really, really remarkable, especially with teenage girls who are essentially aliens. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> it's true. It's true. I don't know how any of us were teenage girls. Like it is like, oh it's my so God. true. Ugh, wouldn't go back to it. That's for sure. Well, the funny thing about Casper too is like, I could actually see that being adapted. Like I would watch that movie. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe start looking up. I was like, I need to go to this place. I need, I need to find one of these unclaimed. And where is it? They do exist, right? They do. There's tons yeah. of them. Ugh, I just love it so much. Um, okay, so every month we choose a completely arbitrary rating system on which to rate a book. This time we figured it had to be taxidermy albino wallabies. <laughs> uh, so between one and ten taxidermied albino wallabies. Uh, Glory, how many wallabies would you give this book? I would give this book nine wallabies. I was very impressed. Same. I just, yeah, loved it. I This is one, too, that I just kind of want to, like, hand out to everybody, you know, because I just feel like <laughs> there's something in here that everybody's going to like. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, I have to go with nine wallabies. And who doesn't want nine wallabies? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
So I'm especially curious to hear from both of you about what you would recommend if someone read this and really loved the vibes in it, especially when it comes to short story collections, because obviously I need to be expanding my worldview with short story collections. Um, Jess, what do you think? What should people check out if this vibed with them? Well, I think one thing, especially if you like the um, women turning into monsters, is uh, Where the Wild Ladies Are by Aoka Matsuda, which is um, based on Japanese ghost stories and definitely has some of those monstrous women vibes. Um, It also kind of reminded me of Animal Wife by Lara Ehrlich, um, which is also sort of weird and slightly surreal stories that are mostly from women's perspective and like a little disturbing, but not, not gross. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes awesome. those both sound great uh glory what do you think you know it actually reminded me a lot of samantha irby and her latest Ooh, um, hmm. wow no thank you they feel complimentary in terms of just like perspective and just like insane plots and great great dialogue that leaves you a little bit with your mouth open or like laughing out loud or cringing inside <laughs> it, there's a lot of like uncomfortable moments but you want to stick with it so i would definitely put those two books together and then another mm. um another author that has a different direction but they feel like they could be in the same wheelhouse because I feel like there's a lot of like really sincere unique like heartfelt energy happening and it made me think of the goodbye again collection by Johnny Sun um yeah so it's like it's again a, a little unexpected but this play with form you know Johnny is like really great for essays and reflection and illustrations like just like playing with the idea of like what we're writing about and why and I think shit consider saw does that too it's just like let me play with history let me play with the ideas and concepts and bring you into a whole other world a new direction so I think you know between Samantha and Johnny they're like they're all on the bookshelf very close to each other Mm, I love that imagery Jess have you read that one I haven't read the Johnny Sun. I I am a huge fan of Samantha Irby, and I feel like yes. any any basically any book can be like. And if you like this, read Samantha Irby because <laughs> it's true. Because you will just you will just like her. You'll like her. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> well, and you know Samantha Irby, Midwest. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yes. That's true. Yes. A book that really reminds me of this one is Kevin Wilson's latest novel, which came out several years ago now, called Nothing to See Here. And it's one of my like all time favorite books. I recommend it all the time. And I think it's a completely crazy premise. But beyond that, it's all set in real life. And the choices the character makes are completely believable every step of the way, even though it's just a crazy scenario. And it it reminded me a lot of this one that way. And it's just like also a good ride, you know? Yeah, that's great. I love that book. Well, Jess, Glory, thank you both so much for doing this. It was such a pleasure to talk about such a weird book with both of you. That was so much fun. Yeah, thank you. It's been delightful. All right, that's it for this month. Thanks for reading along and listening and calling in with voicemails. It is always a pleasure to hear from you. Next month's book club pick is Danya Kukafka's Notes on an Execution. This is a murdery novel. It does have violence. If that's not for you, we totally understand. I would recommend listening to the spoiler-free author interview. It comes out next week, and you can kind of see how the vibes make you feel give it a read if you want. Tell us what you think. You can record yourself on your smartphone and then send the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. 
The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. We will see you on Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.